If you'll allow me just a couple of minutes, I want to say a couple of things uh, in regards to some announcements uh, that were made and some that weren't. I do want to make mention that uh, Mike and Cherie find themselves in Alabama uh, today. Uh, Mike beginning a gospel meeting there in that great state, and uh, they will go through, that gospel meeting will go through Wednesday night, and then, uh, Lord willing, they're going to have a couple of days to be able to spend with his mother. Uh, Cherie's going to get to see some of her family, and, and Lord willing, they will fly home uh, very early next Saturday morning. So please do keep Mike and Shree in your prayers and the wonderful work that we know that he is uh, striving to accomplish uh, this week there. So please continue to keep that effort in your prayers. I also wanted to make mention, uh, Brother Ron Wolf caught me at the back of the auditorium this morning and he said, looks like I'm going to be leaving. And I said, leaving? Well, when are you coming back? He said, I don't know that I am coming back. And I said, well, when are you going? He said, Friday. I said, brother, that was short notice, and it was short notice for him. I just want to say how much we appreciate uh, Brother Ron, and he doesn't want any attention, but I wanted to give him some tonight. I appreciate him. I appreciate he's been a great encouragement. Uh, Through Rob, I've kind of followed his travels from Oregon over to Ohio and back to Kirksville, Missouri, uh, which I'm familiar with, and uh, and now to Midland, and and it looks like now back to Oregon, and so... uh, Our best wishes go with you, brother, and we'll be thinking about you and what you're endeavoring to do, uh, going back to help some family issues, and appreciate that very much, and uh, we're going to miss him, and we want you to know that. I want to say that tonight. In Hebrews chapter 11, we find a Polaroid, and you know a Polaroid, right? I remember uh, the first Polaroid camera I ever saw was my grandpa's Polaroid, and he was really, really proud of his Polaroid camera. And he would always be snapping pictures. And back then, you know, without smartphones uh, that just gave you, or or digital cameras that just gave you the image immediately and you could look at it, well, a Polaroid was the next best thing. Because you could snap a picture, and uh, after a minute or so, uh, that would come into sight. It would spit out this square uh, from beneath it. And then you would hold it and you could fan it a little bit. And then you could, you could see the image that that camera had just taken. And it was an amazing camera. I thought it was the greatest thing there was. Grandpa, take my picture. And then you, you wait and then you get to see it. You didn't have to take the film. Young people have no idea what we had to do, right? You take the film to the, gro- to the, the drugstore and, and wait a few days and then you get your pictures back and maybe they turned out okay and maybe they didn't, but you didn't know until you got the film back. Well, Polaroids were a great thing and I really uh, enjoyed my grandpa's Polaroid and, and I, I have pictures still uh, that he took with that little camera but when you think of a Polaroid, that's what I want you to think of. When, when that square piece of, of paper spits out of that camera, it's blank. Uh, there's nothing there. And, and you have to wait. And you can begin to get a little bit of a picture and a little bit more of a picture. And finally, it's developed and you've got it just crystal clear right there in your hand. I think there's a Polaroid that we see in the life of Moses. And there are a couple of ways I want to look at this tonight. I just want to take a snapshot of Moses' life in each of these verses in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 through 29, because there is a snapshot that, that we get a glimpse of his life. And there is application in each of these verses to my life and what I hope you can see to yours. And then I want you to think about it in a separate way in just a moment. But I want you to start with me.
by looking at the Polaroid, by looking at a snapshot of his life. And if you back up to verse 23, I didn't have Brother David read it, but the Bible says that by faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw that he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. And then you get into verse number 24, and one of the first pictures that we see is that when Moses gets to be a little bit older in his life, the Bible tells us that he rejected earthly glory. Now, in the book of Exodus, when you go back and look at his birth, a lot of the attention that the Bible gives in the book of Exodus is to the mother of Moses, right? It was his mother that that the book of Exodus says took Moses and and she's the one who built that ark of bulrushes and she hid him for three months and then built that ark and she covered it inside and out with pitch and she hid him among the bulrushes and she waited to see and it's all about his mother. But the writer of Hebrews specifically says parents, plural. And twice in that verse, verse number 23, twice it says they. And so it's not just his mother, but it is they. It is both of his parents. And so he is born into this family that were God-fearing. And when Moses got a little older, the Bible says that he rejected glory. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You would do yourself a great service as you study Hebrews chapter 11, a chapter I know that is very familiar But you would do well to focus on the action words of Hebrews chapter 11. And I want you to think about the action words that describe the life of Moses. Because one of those first action verbs that we find, or action words, is refused. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And I'm I'm just reminding you tonight that when he was born and and born into a God-fearing family, they couldn't keep him. It wasn't going to be possible. Pharaoh was having all of the male children killed. And I'm telling you, something amazing happened to this little child. The the daughter of Pharaoh found him. Of all the people who could have found this little baby, the daughter of Pharaoh was the one who found him. Now, I, I try to think about this in ways that we can understand and our young people can understand. You know what it would have been like to be a a child whose father was in the White House. Uh, It would have been an amazing thing. Barron Trump, I mean, they did a good job of shielding him from the public, and I think that was wise of them to do that. But can you imagine Barron Trump growing up and and being in the White House? The daughters of of Barack Obama who grew up in the White House, and and everywhere they go, they can say, I mean, they can stop anybody bragging. They can just say, uh, my daddy's the president. What else are you going to say? <laughs> My daddy's the president. There's no way to, to uh, trump that, right? I mean, you, you don't get above that. My daddy's the president. There's no way to, to top that. Well, here's Pharaoh. I think it's one thing for your, grand, for your dad to be in the White House, but, but what about your grandpa being in the White House? There may be a grandma one day in the White House, but now we've only had men. So what if your grandpa was in the White House? I told you before, I've told you many times probably, that my dad is not the same man that is Evan and Alan's grandpa. All right? I mean, he's not the same guy. 
He's not the guy who raised me. Uh, They can get away with so many things that I know I couldn't get away with. They'll take him to the candy store and they'll take those boys wherever they want to go and they'll give them almost anything they want because they're grandpa. Now, what if grandpa is in the White House? Well, you're getting away with a lot of things. What What if your grandpa was the most powerful man on the face of the earth? Well, that's, that's where Moses found himself. His grandpa was the most powerful man on the face of the earth. He was raised as a son of Pharaoh's daughter. And that would mean that Pharaoh would be his grandpa, and he's the most powerful man on the face of the earth. And the Bible says that when Moses reached a certain age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He rejected earthly glory. Our young people are studying the life of Joseph in their Bible classes. And as you can hear, uh, they're learning. They're learning a lot. And they can recall a lot of details from the life of Joseph. And I understand that the life of Moses, we can recall in our minds, if we've been around the Bible any time at all, we can recall a lot of things about Moses and about the life that he lived. But sometimes this can become nothing more than a kid's Bible story. If we're not careful, that's all it will be. And I want to remind you that there is a great section of this chapter dedicated to Moses. And there's a reason for it. I want you to see it. Moses rejected earthly glory. The Bible tells us, well, the Bible tells us that we need to be willing to think in bigger terms. Why did he reject being called the daughter or the son of Pharaoh's daughter? Why did he give that up? Why did he refuse to be called that? And I I want to tell you tonight, as we look at his Polaroid, as we think about pictures, I want to remind you that Moses in his life was able to view a bigger picture. And I want to be able to view a bigger picture just like he did. Here's a snapshot of his life. When he got to a certain age, he refused the, the earthly glory. He refused that. And there are those in the Bible that the Bible says they did. They did not refuse that. For example, in John chapter 12, the Bible tells us about some of the Levites and some of the Pharisees, some of the leaders of the Jews. And it says that they believed in Jesus, but they were unwilling to confess Him before others, lest they be put out of the synagogue, because they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Moses says, I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in the praise of men. I am not going to put that above the praise of God. Turn in your Bibles over to the book of 1 Thessalonians and notice what Paul says because this was his attitude. And I'm saying this is an attitude that you and I, we need to be careful that we possess. This is the attitude that you and I need to have as we take a snapshot of our lives and where we are. Well, Paul was able to say in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 4, But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts, For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak for covetousness. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, catch it, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. Paul is saying again, I'm not interested in the praise of men. I'm not interested in what you can offer me. I'm interested, he says, in being approved of by God. And I'm telling you tonight that that's exactly what Moses wanted. In the end, he says, I don't need Pharaoh's approval. I need God's approval. Can I I say this? 
there are going to be many who don't make it to heaven because of familial relationships. More clearly, their family is going to hold them back. They're going to put relationships of family ahead of relationship with God. And they're more interested in receiving the praise from their family than they are receiving the praise from God. They're more interested in receiving the approval from their family than they are receiving approval from God. And the Bible says that Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused. He knew that that familial relationship, that family, was going to hinder him from being right with God. Jesus would say what? Love me more. Love me more. Put me first. And as you think about this snapshot of Moses' life, as, as his life comes into a clearer view, well, this is what he refused. I refuse this relationship because it's, it's not going to win me the approval of God. I want to be like Moses. I want to love my family. I want to be uh, close to them and, and, and all of those things. But my dad has told me a number of times, Adam, if you decide to go into sin, that's going to affect our relationship. You need to know that. And I'm confident that he's right. I'm confident that he's right. That he would stand up to me and he would tell me to my face, this isn't right. Moses refused. May we have that boldness in us. Moses made a wise choice. I want you to think about this again. The Bible tells us in the next verse, in verse number 25, choosing, there's your action word, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sins. He made a choice, and he made a wise choice, the Bible says. I don't need to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Rather, I will suffer affliction. He had it made. His grandpa was the most powerful man on the face of the earth. He wasn't going to suffer any affliction. But he made a choice. And his choice was to suffer affliction. Because it meant being with the people of God. He chose what was best for his soul. You remember Joshua. He, he had that little saying that we post on our walls at home, right? As for this day, choose for yourselves whom you will serve. As for me and my house, he said, we will serve the Lord. Made a choice. That's the choice Moses made. I'm going to serve the Lord. I want you to make a wise choice in your life. I want to strive to make those choices in mine. He, He was looking out more for his soul than he was his body. That's what we need to be doing, isn't it? I want to look out for my soul more than I'm looking out for my body. In Acts chapter 13, verses 45 and 46, here is Paul. And you remember Paul, he he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was raised at the feet of the master teacher, Gamaliel. I mean, he had it made. He was a Jew of Jews, a Benjamite by birth. And and he was going places. He was going to be somebody. He was going all the way to the top. And he says in Acts chapter 13, verses 45 and 46... That since the Jews rejected the message of Christ, I'm paraphrasing some, but since they rejected the message of Christ, he was turning to the Gentiles. 
I wonder how easy that was for him to do. I wonder who might have been staring at him that he had grown up with. I wonder if he was looking into the face of some of his best friends at one time in his life. We don't know and we're not told. I wonder if he's looking into the face of different family members. I wonder if he's looking into the faces of those that he was going to go to the top with. And he says, y'all are going to reject Jesus? We're taking the message to the Gentiles. They're going to listen. And the Bible says a couple of verses later that they received the Word of God. Made a wise choice. Paul did. And I'm just reminding us that this was a wise choice that Moses made. It wasn't going to mean his life was easy. It wasn't going to make his life any easier. In fact, it was going to make it so much more difficult. But he says, this is the choice that I've got to make. And so he chose chose to suffer affliction with God's people than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. You have a choice to make. I have a choice to make. We can be happy in this life and we can give in to the temptation and we can give in to pleasure and we can satisfy the flesh all that we want. But it's passing in its pleasure. It's not going to be satisfying forever. It may satisfy you your whole life. But your life is but a vapor. It's here and then it's gone. And then what? Then comes eternity. Then comes eternity. Moses understood that. He said, I'll suffer in this life that I might go on to be with God. The next verse tells us that he correctly appraised riches. It reads perhaps a little bit strangely, but it's easy, I think, enough to understand. In verse number 26, esteeming means to put above, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. You know, Jesus wasn't going to come along for a a millennial. I mean, a long, long time after the life of Moses. But here Jesus is connected to Moses. What's the connection? Moses understood that he was going to have a role even in messianic, what was going to come with the Messiah. And his role in the messianic hope was more valuable than Egypt's treasures. He understood that God had made a promise and that God was going to keep His promise and that one day the Redeemer was going to come and Moses was looking ahead even to the days of Christ. And he understood that he could play a role in that happening. And he did, didn't he? And what a role he played. He knew about the promise that God had made to Abraham. God had made a, a, basically a twofold promise that that land one day was going to be inherited by God's people. And, and Moses understood, here we go, we're going to leave Egypt, and where are we going to go? We're going to go to the promised land. The promise had been made to Abraham. And Moses, he must have had an idea of what was going to take place. But more than that, God had made a promise to Abraham that through his seed, all nations were going to be blessed. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Underline it, for he looked to the reward. It's a bigger picture. I'm telling you, it's a bigger picture. This life, he says, might bring reproach. This life might bring affliction. This life might bring sufferings. But I'm looking for something bigger. 
I'm looking to the reward. If you keep your finger there, but go back with me to the book of Matthew. You remember Jesus in Matthew chapter 6. I'm, I'm actually headed for chapter 13. You can head there too. In Matthew chapter 13, these two short parables. But you remember as you're turning there, Matthew chapter 6, and Jesus talks about treasure and where your heart is, there your treasure is going to be also. And you remember he says that we don't need to be seeking after the treasures of this life where rust and moth destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but rather lay your treasures up in heaven where rust and moths can't destroy and where thieves cannot break in and steal. He says, lay your treasures up there, and where your treasure is, there your heart is going to be also. But he talks about treasure again in Matthew chapter 13. In verse number 44, again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys that field. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had, and he bought it. He... He looked to the reward. Jesus says, what's the reward worth to you? What's the reward worth to you? The treasure in Matthew 13, verses 44 through 46, in both of these little parables, the treasure is the kingdom of Christ. The treasure is the church. The treasure is being in a right relationship with Christ. Where are saved people found? In His church. This is the treasure. And so He says, you go out and and you find treasure. You bury it in a field. You sell everything so you can have the treasure. You go out and find this pearl of great price. You go and sell everything you have so that you can have that pearl. It's your treasure. You know what He doesn't say? Jesus never says how much they sold. He he never puts an amount to it. He says in both of those little parables, they sold all that they had. All that they had. Moses had it made. He had it made. And he sold all that he had to be right with God going to cost me it's going to cost me relationships it's going to cost me in the way of suffering i'm going to have to go through a lot of affliction but i'm looking for the reward he appraised correctly his riches i pick up a little steam now as we begin to draw this lesson to a close in the last three points i simply want to say that this is important for us to understand from one verse In verse number 27, the Bible tells us, By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. The Bible says, first of all, that he forsook Egypt. That is not to be missed. That is saying, I am going to live a separate life, and so I'm going to leave Egypt in the rearview mirror, so to speak, and I'm going to go on to be uh, with God and right with God. That's why the Bible tells us as Christians, come out and be separate. Be mine, says God. You can be my children. Abstain from every form of evil. Come out and be separate. Don't stay there and don't don't stay in your lost condition. Put that in your rearview mirror. Come out and live a separate life. The Bible says that that Moses would fear God, not the king. 
He wouldn't fear the king. He was fearing God. I'm, I'm putting Egypt in the rearview mirror. I know that he's not going to be happy. You think that, he, that uh, Pharaoh got the news that Moses was leaving and he said, oh, okay, no problem. No big deal. You think that's how he received the news that, that Moses was leaving? I think he did not receive that news well. What? Where's he going? Why would he do that? Let's go get him. Moses says, I'm not scared of Pharaoh. I'm not scared of the king. I know he's going to be angry with me, but I'm not scared of the king. You know, all that he can do is kill me. <laughs> and then what, right? I can go on to be with God. I fear God. Do we fear God? Uh, I love Acts chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. I love the words of Acts chapter 5 and verse 29. We ought just to speak what God has told us to speak. We're going to speak the things that we've seen and heard. Whether it's right in the sight of men, you judge. But, but we're going to speak the things of God. That's what, in essence what they were saying, wasn't it? And here they were, they were being threatened, they had great threats being breathed upon them, the Bible says, and yet they did not budge, the apostles of Christ, they never budged. Why? Because they feared God and not earthly authorities. I want to stand before God and say, I fear you and not man. And that's what Moses did. It's a Polaroid, snapshots of his life, understanding what he saw. What did he see? Well... I begin to, to really wind down here. And I know I sometimes can be guilty of saying that and then not stop. And I try not to do that. But sometimes you just want to keep, go, keep going. i got a couple more things to say. Well, this is what I want to say to you tonight. Moses saw what was unseen. And you say, that is just brilliant. Seeing what is unseen. I mean, it's just a brilliant statement for you to make, Adam. That's what your Bible says, though, isn't it? He saw what was invisible. You know, that Polaroid spits out of the camera. And you first look at it, and what do you see? Nothing. You might say, it's invisible. I mean, there's nothing there. It spits it out, and then you look at it. And some of you young people, if you've never seen a Polaroid, well, I'm sorry, but that's the best I got tonight. I will say, Hannah, the one that matters over here, uh, she had a graduation party last year. She had a little scanner. People were taking pictures. Had a little scanner, and it's spitting. She was wearing it on her. Somebody was wearing it on their waist. Tatum. Somebody was wearing it on their waist, and it was spitting these pictures out on her hip uh, from a scanner. And that's kind of like a Polaroid. It kind of had that same effect, and it kind of was blurry at first, and then it came into picture. You first look at it, you don't see anything. And somebody might have approached Moses. Moses, what are you thinking? Why are you getting out of here? Why are you going to run away? You're 40 years old. Acts chapter 7. You're 40 years old, verse 23, and you're getting away from here. Why? Because I see what is invisible. Because I see that there is a great God because I see that I'm looking for a reward that you can't see. I'm looking for something bigger. 
I've got my sights set on something much more precious than anything that the treasures of Egypt can offer me. I have my sights set on something so much greater than this little puny nation of Egypt on this little speck in the universe. I've got my sights set on something so much grander. I have my sights set on Him who is invisible. And in the end, my friends, it really has nothing to do with your eyesight. It has everything to do with your vision. Where are you going? What is your life about? Look at the snapshot in the life of Moses and understand that that Moses was able to see him who is invisible. Moses had a great connection ultimately to Jesus. Moses had had this sights set on God and he knew that God had a plan. And I'm telling you that he was a part of that plan. That Moses was a part of leading God's people out uh, of that great nation of Egypt. And he led them out and, and no... He did not make it to the promised land. Guess what? I have great comfort in this. All of these verses dedicated to Moses. Do you know that Moses sinned? And Moses didn't get to enter into the promised land as such? Moses died on the east side of the Jordan River. But you know what? He died with God. He died with God. Moses' life is one that we would do well to study over and over and over again. I wonder, how's your vision tonight? Do you find yourself, like him, wanting to be right with God? Willing to give up whatever ties to this world may be hindering you from being right with God? He saw God clearly. Do we? Tonight, what's your picture? How's your vision? And where are you going? If the answer is that you're not right with God, then you have opportunity. Tonight, I want you to know that that God's people eventually would lead to Jesus coming, just as it was promised. And Jesus came willingly, and He died on the cross for you, and, and He shed His blood so that your sins can be forgiven, as Brother Joe again did a wonderful job uh, explaining to us again tonight. And and I want you to know that your sins tonight can be forgiven, that you can be right with God if you will cut ties to anything that's holding you back from being right with God. Tonight, you can be right with God. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Are you ready to repent of your sins? That's where you cut those ties. That's where you forsake and you refuse and you turn and you go to God. Tonight, are you willing to do that? to confess your faith in Jesus as the Son of God, to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Tonight, you can be right with God. You can be approved by God. Why? Why would you not take advantage of this opportunity? Tonight, if you are a Christian, and you you had separated yourself, but now you've gone back to the world, and you need the prayers of your brethren or... Tonight, there's a need in your life. If there's something we can do to help you, we stand ready to any way that we can. But please come to the front while together we stand and sing.